Hi, hello, and welcome back to the 1983 National Football League draft. And with the first round pick, John Elway, Jim Kelly. Welcome back to the draft. And with the first round pick, Dan Marino, Bruno, NFL draft. And with the first round pick, Deion Sanders. I was kind of scared. I thought the show was going to take me. I would ask for so much money that I had to put me on layaway. Welcome back to the NFL draft. Good young players with the draft all about. Here in and you're out. Welcome back to the draft. And with the first round pick, Aaron Rodgers. Welcome back to the NFL draft. I've never seen anything like this. Well, we'll see what uh, the 2021 NFL Draft has for us this year for surprises, head scratchers, uh, big trades, all the above. It is now time. We are one week away from the NFL Draft, and uh, the Heater Podcast takes a brief hiatus from baseball to return to uh, what got us all started last year uh, in the middle of quarantine and uh, social distancing additions. Uh, we began with an NFL mock draft. It was a lot of fun for the both of us. We like doing this on our own anyways. Uh, a lot of uh, good uh, times watching drafts throughout the years. And uh, uh, Corey has more of the uh, collegiate uh, watching and uh, analysis uh, stuff with it. I do more, I jump in more this time of year when I look at how it, it matches to NFL needs and teams. Uh, and uh, the two of us together will uh, try our hand again at uh, another round of this. And uh, how this is going to work uh, is we are going to be going, uh, uh, making our predictive NFL draft, uh, alternating between us, uh, between teams, odds and evens essentially. And we're going to take you through the first round and what we think will happen. Uh, of course, we know that there's plenty of, uh, you know, there can be another Sebastian Janikowski that throws everyone off. There's old school for you. It's old, it's old uh, school. And uh, a shout out to Al Davis, who always kept things uh, interesting in that way. If uh, Al Davis was alive, the, the Raiders would be taking Kadarius Tony. Just saying it right now. At pick 17, yeah, yeah. they would take Kadarius Tony. Almost inst- almost guarantee that, but. You can at least appreciate with the, the weird way that they're, because they, they, took Henry Ruggs over everyone last year, the stuff within and some other head scratchers within things, and nothing against Henry Ruggs. It was just the order in which things happened. They still... Uh, uh, they stick to the they L. Davis philosophy. They still do things differently. They yeah. still took the... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So we'll see if they have anything uh, in, in store for us this year as well. Uh, again, uh, uh, as we talk about the NFL Draft, I'd be remiss if I didn't first say that even the uh, NFL Draft podcast is brought to you by the River Creek Popcorn for all your snacking needs for baseball games, football drafts, and movies of choice. Come hungry, leave happy. The draft is one week from today. So yeah. We're releasing this tomorrow. So it'll be one week from today when this gets released. And Popcorn Wagon is not open on Thursday, so if you want popcorn for the first round, you're going to have to come this weekend. But... First round is on Thursday, the 29th, I believe that would be. And then in the second and third rounds would be Friday, the 30th. So we'd be open that day. So you can come get it for rounds two and three. A lot of good players still available then. And then Saturday has rounds three through seven, and I'll be there for that too. So if you want popcorn for the draft, you're going to have to come. We have looked at the – we put together our own, our own big board. Uh, so we did have one NFL uh, a draft podcast that's already taken place. Feel free to check that out as well. I'll try to post that on the website uh, or the Facebook page uh, for things just to, to highlight the NFL draft coverage that we're doing. Uh, but uh, Stuff you know, changes in a month, though, too, it, man. It does. When I said that, Caleb Farley didn't have a back injury. You know? yeah. We're going to talk about him here, I'm sure, at some point. But I think he's going to end up – again. You've seen that yo-yo throughout from uh, up to the top to now closer to the end of the first round to now I think he's back. He had a good uh, medical prognosis. I think middle of the first round is back where he's uh, potentially targeted, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, as we dive into this, 
Uh, we'll dive in, put us on the clock at number one. We'll take a look at the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm taking odds. I get the softball one to begin with. There shouldn't be. There's been nothing said otherwise. Even they've come out and said that, you know, this we're excited for uh, the the future, what holds with having uh, Trevor Lawrence within it. So I think we do have an easy one. I doubt this goes beyond the five-minute marker uh, when the TV cameras come on. Uh, just enough to give them time to get started, make sure they've worked out all of their uh, uh, technological kinks with ESPN and making sure things are good. But otherwise, this will be a quick one. Trevor Lawrence, here's the franchise quarterback that people have been waiting on for two years, ever since, again, ever since the the national championship game, him versus Tua. Uh, people have been waiting for this kid. All you need to know is he just recently got married and his registry was posted online and Jacksonville fans forked over a bunch of gifts for him, got him a high end toaster. And he donated, I believe $20,000 already to Jacksonville charities. So I feel like that one is lock solid in and that it's basically been locked in for, like you said, two years already. So it's the pick. It should be the pick. Good choice. The only thing I will say is, uh, uh, there's just many New York fans that were hoping for a green, uh, green jerseys uh, in that one. That uh, thank you, Adam Gase, uh, <laughs> for that. Yeah. But number two, you have a chance to say what will the Jets do? So the Jets are going to take Zach Wilson at this point. It seems basically as guaranteed as Tua, or as, Tua as Trevor Lawrence going number one. It's not the pick I made. If you go back and listen, I said I think I think Zach. Wilson has probably the highest ceiling, but he also has a lower floor than some of the other quarterbacks we're going to talk about. He has to get into the right system. You mentioned Adam Gaze is gone, so new coach in New York, and he's going to have to coach him up because there's still some issues here. He has some rare physical traits. His ability to throw on the run, his ability to be mobile in the pocket, it invokes some Russell Wilson comparisons, but I've said before, it could just as easily turn into the wild throws of Jameis Winston where it's a little scattershot out there. Yeah, I think everyone's uh, on board overall with the uh, the ceiling, the intangibles, uh, everything that's there. Zach Wilson's the uh, the next one that's a slam dunk. So things don't begin till three. And at first, there was a little more uh, ma- all the talk about Mac Jones over Justin Fields, and uh, this is who they were trading up for. And uh, it created good uh, good headlines while you waited for the draft and everything else. It sure seems to be a lot of smokescreen. Uh, I, right now, it, everything that's been coming closer to the draft. Now, again, we're getting right now we're in, in peak rumor season. So some of the more outlandish things you're going to hear in the next seven days. Uh, but leading up to that point, Justin Fields is being back at uh, the a good fit uh, for the Kyle Shanahan's offense. He has the, the scrambling capability to go with uh, everything there. Again, before... This guy was being considered in the same breath as Trevor Lawrence uh, a year ago. Uh, and the talent is still there. You can argue maybe the ceiling isn't quite the same. Maybe there's a, a different tier within it. But at some point, he, again, got the, what does this draft process do? They bring raise you up to tear you down. That's the way this always works throughout this process. I don't think anyone has experienced that more. I have one other name, but more than Justin Fields at this point. I think it's the pick they should make. I hope that's the pick that they do make. Like you said, there's still a lot of talk about Mac Jones. I think that Justin Fields is a better NFL prospect than Mac Jones. I've watched a lot of Mac, I've watched a lot of both these guys, right? You're talking about Ohio State and Alabama, two of the most popular fro- that's right. Two of the most popular college programs in the nation. So Justin Fields, did you see that today? It came out that he has epilepsy. I did not see that. So I 
apparently it's a family thing. He's had epilepsy for a while, and they just, uh, I believe it was Ian Rappaport, maybe. I might be wrong on that. But someone reported it today that Justin Fields has epilepsy. I don't think it should affect his draft stock. Once again, he says it's under control. His parent, everybody, physicians have said they think it's under control. So Justin Fields, it makes a lot of sense at three for them. It's a better pick. It's a higher upside pick than Mac Jones. Uh, I think he'd be amazing in a Kyle Shanahan offense. And so that's who I'm taking at number three for the 49ers, Justin Fields. So when we were picking the who was doing odds and evens beforehand, you said, you I'll take odds, Corey, you get evens, because this is where it really starts, right? Those first three picks, at least the positions are all locked in. The Falcons pick at pick four. They have a franchise quarterback in Matt Ryan, which is why it's rare to see somebody picking this early with a quarterback. Now, could they draft it and develop a quarterback behind him like Trey Lance? Sure. Yeah, they could. Could they trade down? Could a team really say they want Trey Lance here and trade up or Mac Jones? Uh, that's possible too. But in this case, we're going to draft it as if they are going to make this pick. And if they make this pick, we have seen Matt Ryan be very effective with a great tight end, whether that was Tony Gonzalez or Austin Hooper. And those guys are gone. Hayden Hurst was there last year and okay player for them, certainly. But there is one, I think probably the second best prospect in this draft is Kyle Pitts, the tight end out of Florida, uh, physically built unlike almost any, the second he steps on an NFL field, he could be one of the best receiving tight ends in this league at six foot five, 240 pounds. And he moves extremely well. He has great hands. Now the blocking is a little bit to be desired, but he really, he has a lot of effort. I've watched him play. He has a lot of effort at it. He's not great. You hope that you're finding that a little bit with some coaching, but if you put on a field with Julio Jones, Kelvin Ridley, and Kyle Pitts, it becomes really hard to stop that Falcons offense. And suddenly Matt Ryan has three nice weapons for the next few years. Let's let's break down a couple things here for the Falcons. Uh, we do know that their assistant college scouting director, their QB coach, and their passing game specialist all went to see Trey, uh, Trey Lance on his second pro day. Uh, so obviously they're they're looking at him. Uh, things are are tightly wrapped as to what they. Uh, how much they admire this uh, quarterback. Could this be their QB of the future? But this also comes down to, you have two things that are at play. Number one, you have, you're hoping this is the last time you're up at this section of the draft. So if you want to get a guy without having to sacrifice uh, multiple first-round picks later, this is your last shot to do it. So now you have to then ask, is this, your, is this the guy? Then the second question becomes, how much does Matt Ryan, Ryan have left in the tank? Uh, these you remember we have quarterbacks that are playing until they're like age forty uh, time in this in the NFL now that's becoming more routine, uh, and when you have everyone back healthy, the question is what is this team? Uh, they played ten games last year, one score games. They were always in everything. They were two and eight in one score games. Now if you add a, a Kyle Pitts to that with a healthy Julio Jones, you saw what Calvin Ridley did. That offense is now completely different with having a, a tight end in the middle who can do that as well. I, I, I don't see them taking quarterback yet because I don't. Matt Ryan's not that old. And I just don't see them being enough trade ammunition for someone else to come up and trade with them, especially for just how good of a fit Kyle Pitts is in a tight end heavy scheme that their new uh, coach runs. And the way we did it, I think Kyle Pitts is the pick. I do think that if the Niners go Mac Jones, Justin Fields is local. He's from Atlanta, Georgia. That is where he originally went to college. I do think that would be the that could very well be a pick here if Justin Fields is available, just because that is the quarterback that I think they would want to develop more so than Trey Lance. I would agree with that. And so, as much as I uh, long to see 
Kyle Pitts in aqua and orange. Uh, I, I don't think that's happening, so I'm starting to distance myself from it so I'm not disappointed gotcha. next week. That's right. Dolphins fans, no disappointment. <laughs> God, don't get me started. Uh, uh, Brady Quinn. Oh, I was hearing that name in the last few weeks with the go through draft bus or draft surprises and everything within it. But we at least got the Ted Ginn family. So, you know, there's there's, there's that upside. Uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals at five, uh, it's down to two players, right? Uh, it's pretty well known. Some try to say Kyle Pitts could be an option there. And, yeah, I get it. But, really, it's, A, I don't think he's fallen there anyways. But, number two, it's either – you're getting your new uh, tackle in Penesul, or you are rekindling the uh, uh, Jamar Chase and uh, Joe Burrow uh, connection from LSU days. More recently, has been is as focused on or leading up in the last week. It's been focusing on Chase and Burrow, and Burrow's been pushing hard reportedly for uh, his former teammate. Makes total sense in the world, but there is such a glaring need for Cincinnati's offensive line. Uh, to get the best offensive lineman in this draft to, to uh, help keep your quarterback, who just went on you know uh, injured reserve last year with issues because he's getting uh, pummeled by opposing defenses, it, it makes more sense. It's not it's not sexy, but it makes sense. Uh, so I think they go sense over sexy here. I'm saying Panay Sewell at five. I said when we did this, I think that's the better pick for him. Like you said, it's probably the less appealing pick as far as fan base is concerned, but Penny Sewell, if you've ever seen Penny Sewell play, we saw it. He did not play last year. He opted out. But as a 20-year-old sophomore, uh, he's locking down guys on the very good Oregon team and just physically dominating players. He's possibly not done growing yet. That's how young he still is. At I think he's 21 now. There's a chance he gets bigger. And he's already going to be – he was already very hard to move and extremely agile. I think it's the best pick for the Bengals. But if they're going to make that pick, I think – Five and six, it's going to go in some order. Either the Bengals will take Penny Sewell and your Dolphins, I think, will take Jamar Chase, or the Bengals will take Jamar Chase and your Dolphins will take Penny Sewell at this. If it goes like this. I, I'm still not sure. Like They just went now again. This isn't any sort of big signing or anything, but you just had uh, uh, oh, DJ Fluker signed with the, the Dolphins this week. Uh, and they already have the they they went have they heavily invested in tackles last year. They believe in Robert Hunt uh, as a tackle second round pick, Austin Jackson uh, first round pick. So they believe they got their bookends last year. Uh, could you move someone around within it? Yeah, you could. Uh, and obviously for generational talents, you think about it. And Penny Sewell's is very much a, an excellent uh, tackle that you're looking at. But I just don't see them, especially after now signing. Fluker within it, I think that just closed the door on offensive linemen for Miami. Well, then let's have him take the worst, have him take the receiver. Now, there's a couple options here. Jalen Waddle's the explosive high ceiling option. You got to hope that the ankle is healed, and from everything we hear, it sounds like it's healed. We've seen Jamar Chase be exceptionally effective, the highest single season receiving yards and touchdowns in SEC history. That's two years ago. As a true sophomore. As a true sophomore. That's two years ago. He opted out. We were talking a little before it started, and I don't think either one of them is Julio Jones in that they are not physical monsters. They're about both about six feet tall. Actually, Jalen Waddle's even shorter than that, but I think the pick is probably Jamar Chase. He offers – he's very explosive still. You said the only thing you're worried about is the fact he took a year off, and we've seen it one time with Joe Burrow, an exceptional quarterback, but I think two was really good too. I've said that before, and hopefully – I don't know who's the new offensive coordinator – they uh, promoted from within, so they have their running back coach and their QB coach. They are now like the is he offensive. Better than Shane uh, Gailey. 
just about anyone was better than Chan Gailey at this point uh, in his in his career. Again, Chan Gailey, uh, 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 huge NFL career, been very successful in many things. He he does not do well with the smaller quarterbacks. He's the more the prototypical guy. You could tell he was not comfortable with Tua. Uh, and by the way, they the Dolphins uh, reporters brought it back up or dredging back from NFL draft laments. Uh, Chan Gailey was the one who went against the rest of the executives who did not want to draft Drew Brees when he was the Dolphins offensive coordinator the first time, like 20 years ago. Here's what I'll say about Jamar Chase. If it was a larger sample size to evaluate, I think it's, if he had done this twice, it's rock solid. He would go first overall. It's the one year, but I still think there's enough tape there of him dominating against SEC competition. I said, technically the best SEC season we've ever seen, including Devonta Smith last year. So, I'm going to say Jamar Chase here at pick six to the Dolphins. Is there any chance you see, uh, again, first off, uh, in recent drafts, I can tell you from those who, who've researched and watched Chris Greer with Miami, uh, that there is a pattern. Loves his SCC guys uh, and, you know, Alabama uh, to uh, LSU, uh, Ohio State. There's These guys are, are there. Uh but also loves guys that are young, uh, like age 20, 21. Like Austin Jackson was one of the youngest prospects that was available uh, last year in the draft. It's becoming more of a trend going for younger guys. Noah Igmanogany was also extremely young within it. Both guys also fit SEC. All right, so you have uh, a, not well, not Austin Jackson. Sorry, that's a, a different point. But uh, the overall, though, there's a, a track record of what they like. Obviously, Chase fits that. But my question is. Could you actually see a scenario where they pick a where a different receiver is drafted over Jamar Chase? It's fit, right? So I don't think Devonta Smith is going to get picked first, even though we we saw Devonta Smith have arguably the best NFL wide receiver season in college history. That type of a season, I don't think he's going to get picked over Jamar Chase just because teams are still scared of the size. Which, yeah, you can knock him for it. I've watched him play at that size though, and putting on weight. Like, Anybody can put on weight. I can go upstairs and eat plenty of food, and I can put on some weight. So if that's what really your work, yeah, it's not good weight, but he can put on 10 pounds of muscle with an NFL strength and conditioning coach, I think. So I'm not overly concerned about that, but I don't think he gets picked first. Jalen Waddle could certainly get picked first. It's That's my inkling right now is I could see a scenario where Miami takes Waddle over Chase. I think that'd be the first surprise of the draft. It doesn't end up being too much of a surprise when you look under the hood, but the smart money here does say Jamar Chase. I just think it's kind of weird because Jamar Chase is somewhat similar to Devonta Parker and Jalen Waddle is somewhat similar to Will Fuller. So they have option. Like they yes. have similar players to both of them, which is why I want Pitts. Yeah. Yeah. Tier. It would be okay. a better fit. Uh, Detroit Lions at seven. Here's the, you know, uh, where things get a little more interesting too. You have uh, another new coach uh, within it. Usually at the top of the draft, you're getting a lot of new coaching staffs, new systems, everything that comes in, into play. Uh, New quarterback. This was the Matt Stafford uh, for Jared Goff and a boatload of picks uh, that was done here. Uh, it sounds like what they're going to. Jared Goff didn't fit the wide open scheme uh, and some of the, the bigger throws, uh, didn't have the bigger arm the way Stafford does. Stafford's a great fit for the Rams, makes a ton of sense. Could could Jared Goff actually do something in a different offense that might be more suited for his arm? That's what we're going to find out. Uh, we do know that Dan Campbell uh, wants to bust kneecaps, uh, and it's going to be a ground-and-pound, in-your-face uh, defense and running game. 
and my yes, play action passing, that that's what they're going to be looking to do. They need a little bit of everything, right? We know if they're, this is one of the, you mentioned, uh, 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 this one of the teams that had the least amount of talent on paper with this team. Uh, I do think they are going to go, like, I've been seeing so much about receivers being taken here. And if you were someone with a, more of a, a bigger offensive coordinator, coordinator offensive mind, uh, that was doing that, that would make a ton of sense. I could see Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddell here. Not with Dan Campbell. Not the, not with the mentality and culture they're trying to do. If you look at Matt Rule with what they did in uh, uh, Carolina last year, it was the trenches, right? You, Derek Brown uh, was a big part. They went uh, trenches there. Rashawn Slater, uh, this is where I see them still trying to build this line. It's actually the strength of this team, if you had to pick one, for what's been built. But uh, this gives you your other bookend tackle. Uh, you're ready to go, and this is going to be, again, ground and pound. Uh, guys, again, going for the kneecaps. I, I think this makes a ton of sense for the identity that Dan Campbell is wanting to build, and so I'm going against the grain as far as what I've seen out there uh, by uh, mock drafts to this point. I think they go offensive line here and take the other top-rated uh, tackle. I like Rashawn Slater. Uh, he also opted out last year, just like uh, Waddle and her just like Jamar Chase and Panay Sewell. He also opted out last year, but when we last saw him, he was playing right tackle for Northwestern and dominating like Chase Young routinely in the game. And I think he's really, I think he's like scheme proof. I think that you can put him anywhere and he can play. So yeah, I think it's a good pick. I think the Panthers would love to have Rashawn Slater at the next pick. Yeah, I know this one. I'm, I'm sure we should also note, by the way, as we're making this uh, uh, mock draft as we're going through this, we have no clue what the other one is picking. Uh, and so I'm already sure that I'm blowing up a board right now by uh, going with a Slater here. Uh, but as I was digging through this, I, everything I'm seeing from Dan Campbell, from what has been with the beat reporters with it, I don't think the mainstream media is in lockstep with this. So I think that's where this is going to go at, at seven. But now this does create, what do the Panthers do at eight? Because they're, it sounds like they're not wanting to do anything after the trade for Sam Darnold. It doesn't sound like they're wanting to do anything with a quarterback, maybe. Uh, and then uh, where where do you go uh, from here with Carolina? Obviously, you were first looking to upgrade uh, the offensive line. Would have been nice. Penny Sewell, Rashawn Slater, either one of those would have been excellent picks. With those off the board, where do you see Carolina targeting? So they did lose uh, receiver and free agency left. Curtis Samuel did leave. So that would be an inside receiver, which is, I think, Jalen Waddle's probably better in the slot. Uh, yeah. You mentioned the offensive tackle. I don't see him taking Christian Darisaw quite the side. I think it's a little bit of a reach or Devin Jenkins, some of those other offensive tackles, which will probably come up in the first round here, but that'd be a little early. Uh, yeah, Sam Darnold, now that he's there, they're not probably likely to take either Mac Jones or Trey Lance, although Trey Lance would be interesting in their offense. But I I really think that Sam Darnold would be, if you were grading him against the quarterbacks in this class, would probably be second behind Trevor Lawrence. I think he was that good of a prospect, and he just got Adam gazed. I'm actually going to go defense again. We saw him go defense all last year. Uh, last year, like you said, they built in the trenches, and then, then they drafted a safety. Uh, I'm going to go cornerback here. I'm going to go corner. I think they could use a cornerback, lock down that side. I'm going to take – ooh, then there's three cornerback options. I'm going yeah, to take Patrick ones. Sertan Jr. I just think he's the most well, – not rock solid, like prepared. Or nah, that's not necessarily the right word either. Ready Game to go. Ready. ready to go day one. Patrick Sertan, I've seen him lock down SEC receivers. They don't really throw it over there. J.C. Horn is interesting. It's a lot of tools. And instead of Caleb Farley didn't have the back thing, this he would be interesting. But I'm going to take Patrick Sertan. 
Cowboys fans are shedding tears now at this point because that, that's been the one that's been the easiest in all mock drafts. Where do you see Patrick Sertan Jr. going the most? If you look across the everything, he's there at 10. That's the pick at 10. Well, you have to make it to 10 to actually get to it. Uh, this leads us to the team that's probably the most intriguing from a quarterback standpoint. Now, as we talk Denver Broncos, again, we're not doing trades in our uh, predictive draft here. Do you see them trying to do exactly what happened here to see if the, the draft board falls this way to get their guy? Or do you see them more likely to, uh, even as the cup, whether it's the Panthers, Lions, Dolphins, anything within it, do you see them trying to jump up in case someone else once that also knows that this is the way the draft board can go. And if you want to get Trey Lance, you need to get ahead of Denver. I think they can sit here knowing that there's five quarterbacks that we, at this point, feel very comfortable are going fairly early in this draft. Well, you know that three of them are going to go really early, but then you know, it's pretty. I think we all feel with pretty good confidence that Kyle Pitts and Pene Sewell are also going really early. So that's five quarterbacks, Kyle Pitts, Pene Sewell, Jamar Chase, I think he's going to go pretty high up there. And and then you really only need one other player, whether it's Slater, Sertan, Waddle, somebody that we haven't said yet, Micah Parsons, could get picked that early. And then one of them will still be there. Now, I don't always think that Mac Jones deserves to get picked this high. He's going to at this point. That seems pretty rock solid from everything we hear. So I think they're going to stay put and take whichever one is left. Do you think if if Denver doesn't go Trey Lance here, do you see Lance falling? Again, every year it seems to be a quarterback that's been hyped up or something within it doesn't actually match what happens, and you see a guy that has the tendency to slide. Is he someone that has that capability if Denver doesn't go here? Uh, he could slide, but not super far, because soon you're going to see teams like the football team at 19, the Bears at 20. They need, they always teams definitely are desperately in need of a quarterback, right? So I think they can make – we've actually heard that Dave Gettleman of the Giants at pick 11 wants to trade down for the first time ever. So at 11, you get ahead of the Patriots, who also seem to be interested, I'm sure, in a quarterback of the future. So I I don't think either one of them makes it past pick 15. I, I do believe we're down to two players for this spot. Uh, I think it either is Micah Parsons, we mentioned, for the, the linebacker uh, fits very well in uh, uh, the Denver's scheme. Uh, over Fangio. There. Uh, and that would, seems like his type of guy, uh, but I do believe they're going to try to go franchise quarterback. And so I will take Trey Lance here uh, at nine uh, with the Broncos. Uh, and that brings us up to the Dallas Cowboys at 10. As you said, it's Dallas Cowboys seem to have two big needs. Um, what used to be a strength of theirs was actually both of their cornerback and offensive line. And over the last few years, we've seen Dak get hurt because offensive line has been a need for them. Uh, both the big offensive linemen are gone, and Slater and Sewell. I said Darisaw is still kind of a reach at this point. But like you said, a lot of times you hear Patrick Sertan. At this point, I'm not sure there's that big of a difference between Patrick Sertan and J.C. Horn. Just knowing Jerry Jones, J.C. Horn seems like the type of player that he would love and that he tests off the charts. He, he also, once again, another guy opted out last year. We haven't seen him for a year. But when I last saw J.C. Horn, he was doing a very good impression of Patrick Sertan locking down SEC wide receivers. So can JC Horn beat Byron Jones? Yeah, there's that possibility, and that's who they're still trying to replace. So we'll take JC Horn here at pick 10. When we turn to the New York Giants, uh, this one is also, again, potential for trading down. 
uh, to get better value for what they're looking at. And the reason the reason why the Giants could be looking at trading down is they're rumored to be after an edge player, and there isn't necessarily one that's rated right here that would be of uh, the best value that you could maybe get at pick 16, 17 uh, within and get the same guy uh, and pick up a few more assets and more value at that at that stage. There also isn't a lineman that stands out if both Slater and Sewell are gone. Uh, like, who are you wanting to pick here? Now, again, you could you could go Christian Derrissaw. It's a little early, but you could. Uh, and also, in Micah Parsons is an interesting idea here. You could try to add a little more explosion uh, from the uh, receiver standpoint. Uh, to recap where we've been in the first uh, 10 picks, we have... Uh, Trevor Lawrence, pick one to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Zach Wilson, pick two to the New York Jets. Justin Fields, pick three to the San Francisco 49ers. Kyle Pitts, pick four, the Atlanta Falcons. The Cincinnati Bengals take Penny Sewell at pick five. The Miami Dolphins, Jamar Chase at pick six. Rashawn Slater to the Lions at seven. Patrick Sertan Jr. to the Panthers at eight. Trey Lance to the Broncos at nine. And J.C. Horn to the Cowboys at pick ten. This is going to be tempting at the, where the receivers are left on the board. Uh, for again, they've been trying to add explosion. This is what they did in the in the uh, off season. They wanted more weapons for for Daniel Jones. Again, could they go uh, offensive line for Derisaw or even go for uh, Vera Tucker to go more interior offensive line? Definitely a possibility. Uh, they added uh, Kenny Galladay uh, in free agency, uh, adding someone with a little more. Uh, Let's say wiggle, uh, juice. Let's uh, here. I, I am. I I do believe that Waddle goes before Smith. Uh, I think that's just where where the tea leaves are reading at this point. I think people are have believe in the higher ceiling. Now I'd be curious to see who has the better NFL career when it's all said and done. But at this point, for number eleven, I will go with the Waddle receiver for the Giants. If I was picking pick eleven, I would have also taken Jalen Waddle. Uh, they haven't had a slot receiver of Jalen Waddle's caliber since Victor Cruz, who actually Jalen Waddle is very similar to, and that he's very explosive, a very good route runner. I said Jalen Waddle's probably got the most upside of any of them. If he's healthy, he can return punts, he can return kicks, he can do the slot stuff where he can get open quick, he can get open deep. I think Jalen Waddle, at that point, once you have Kenny Galladay and Jalen Waddle on board, it's Daniel Jones, this is it. Put up or shut up. Because next year, Sam Howell, and there's some other, Keaton Slovis, there's other good quarterbacks. Because at that point, you have all the Saquon weapons you need. Barkley, you have, it's, it's all there. And again, you can try to get a, uh, if you want to improve the interior of your line, there's some good uh, guards later on in the in the draft. Aaron Banks from Notre Dame is one that makes a lot of sense. That's a third-round type of guy. Uh, there's plenty of ways that you can improve that offensive line without taking one right here at 11 and adding that explosion to the offense with Waddle. So we are up to... The Eagles at 12 after they traded back uh, from six with Miami when that uh, weird, uh, dr- uh, the rarity of having draft trades like that, not on draft day. When you have uh, Miami doing, uh, I don't know what you say, they're pulling, uh, what's the guy's name from the uh, movie draft day? Uh, I've never seen that for movie. Kevin Costner, I don't remember what the name of the guy was, but bouncing around all over the I've place. I've never seen that movie. Dolphins Is it good? went from three. As an NFL draft fan, I appreciate at least the, them trying to do it. It's okay. It's something you, you can watch it. You can have some basic entertainment with it. Not as it best is, sports movie. Not, we're not, not Fields of Dreams see. in it here. No, we're not Fields of Dreams in it here. <laughs> okay. Uh, but from the Dolphins going from three to twelve to six, uh, the last leg of that becomes Philadelphia. That moved from six to twelve. Philadelphia's got a lot of needs. Philadelphia yeah. has a lot of needs, and it's kind of rare for them. They tend to be a pretty good team, but last year 
they surprisingly took Jalen Hurts early, and Carson Wentz got dispatched. And so they don't need a quarterback. I guess they could take a backup here. You could see Mac Jones. I wouldn't do it. I trust Jalen Hurts at this point more than Mac Jones. And so I think, once again, you keep helping out Jalen Hurts. You get him more weapons. And I think we've they've seen they had a lot of problems before, but I think Devonta Smith is a great fit with him. Yeah, an ex-teammate with him. They have they have history together. They don't tend to take linebackers. I think Micah Parsons would be great here. The Eagles rarely take linebackers, though. So I'm going to take Devonta Smith. You get that underneath threat. He can also go deep, but Devonta Smith would be a great fit for the Eagles at pick 12. When we look at the San Diego Chargers, uh, no team uh, is in a happier position or feels happier coming into this draft than the Chargers, with uh, they got their franchise quarterback last year. Justin Herbert exceeded all expectations for year one in the NFL. Uh, it's a fun offense that's there. You have him, you have Austin Eckler, you have uh, Keenan Allen. Uh, you have the core group there that has a lot of uh, uh, a lot of firepower to it and uh, f- some franchise pieces. Uh, again, there's a couple of different ways you could do it. This is a team that wished that uh, Slater would make it. That's been the one that most mocks have said would love to see this as a fit. Uh, You could see a reach with Christian Derrissaw here because it's not too much of a reach at that point. Uh, It's definitely a need. Uh, Yeah, it is. (laughs) And so the wrestling point is Derrissaw or, and we just had the the receivers come off the board, right? All gone. Uh, Except for Rashad Bateman now we're down to, or unless there's somebody else you like. (laughs) And so... That doesn't fit that like the opposite of what you put opposite of Keenan Allen. I think Rashawn Bateman is a lot like Keenan Allen, actually. That is yeah. who I have down for his name next to my head is Keenan Allen is Rashad Bateman. I think that's an excellent comparison with that. Uh, it doesn't match what they need then. Uh, so as far as that goes, uh, this is where I think you're looking at. You have a specific need. This is the last tackle available uh, without getting more into a, it's a different tier. So I think Christian Derrissaw is the pick here. Uh, it matches what they need. That's who I'm taking for the, the Chargers at 13. Yeah, I think it's going to be one of the two lines. It's either going to be offensive tackle or it's going to be pass rush on the other side and probably probably Jalen Phillips, maybe Quiddy Pay or Aziz Ojolari, but I think it's going to be one of the two lines. So Christian Derrissaw makes a lot of sense there. At that point, yeah, it's it's not much of a reach. I think the Vikings at pick 14 are absolutely – wrapped with their choices at this point they really want alignment uh once again almost like the chargers where the point where they want either offensive line or defensive line you just took the tackle in christian derisaw i don't think that's probably the pick they wanted anyways i think i've said before i think elijah vera tucker is probably as talented as any of these guys not who i have written down on mine as well not named sewell and he can slide inside to guard or he could play outside. I think he's going to be an excellent guard in the NFL. And this is a team that still wants to run the ball, right? They have Delvin Cook. They want to run the ball, power running. Elijah Vera Tucker probably never reached his peak at USC. But even without reaching his peak, he was still really good. He's going to be a great fit in Minnesota. When we take a look at, at 15, this is the place that people have been the most intrigued for the quarterback pairings. Mac Jones uh, has been a Belichick fit uh, that everyone has said all offseason. Uh, they've been the dark, ho- dark horse for them. Uh, as much as they could go in a whole host of different ways, uh, 
I, I think this is the guy. I, I, I can, again, either that or, as always, they do a great job of smoke screening everyone so they could go a completely different direction. I guess I'll at least ask you that question. If they didn't go quarterback here, who do you see them targeting or wanting? Yeah, I think if it goes this way, I think they would take Mac Jones. Uh, I think they would be very interested in a Jarrah. <laughs> Michael Parsons is a great linebacker. It could be an excellent linebacker. I actually think they would like Jeremiah Wusakoromoa more. He's more the, uh, what's the guy who went to the Lions after that? Jalen, not Jalen Collins. Jamie Collins. He's more yep, of that type yep. of a player where, like, physical freak. Jeremiah Wusakoromoa is not all that different than Isaiah Simmons last year in the fact that really he's not quite as big. That's the difference. He's not as tall, but Wusakoromoa is more of a safety at this point, I think, than he is a linebacker. He's just that type of speed. I think he'd be a great fit for the Patriots. But, yeah, I also would have taken Mac Jones. Cam Cam Newton signed a one-year deal, right? They need their uh, new franchise guy. Uh, and with having someone, uh, with having Cam Newton there, it allows him to, if, if they want him to sit behind or compete either way, uh, you have a chance to, to hold that for a while. Uh, I'm going to go with Mac Jones at 15. Uh, I'll be curious to see if the, if the Patriots, again, pull the wool over everyone's eyes and go in a different direction. But for now, Jones at 15. That leaves us with the Cardinals pick 16, and they have their franchise quarterback. They have some great receivers. You could always add more to that, try to fortify that Cliff Kingsbury offense. I don't think that's how they're going to go. Uh, I think Good. they would don't like do it to me. I think they would like Elijah Vera Tucker. Now he's already gone in this. I don't think that's that's not, that's not an option at this point. The way we're doing it. This one I'm going to take Caleb Farley. I think there's enough there. I think there's enough. Good reports about his back. Patrick Peterson left, right? Patrick Peterson's gone. They need a cornerback to replace him. I think there's enough good reports on his back that he's not going to fall all that far. A month ago, if we would have done this, I would have thought that he's probably the best cornerback in this draft. In this case, he gets picked third, but still middle of the first round. I think he could be an excellent replacement for Patrick Peterson. Everything I'm seeing says the Oakland Raiders are looking at defense uh, for this picks. I'm as Said, uh, is it Travion Mooring? Uh, Travion Mooring, yeah. Is one uh, possibility. This seems to be a little early for him, but it does fit a need for them. Uh, also, you could see someone like Jalen Phillips uh, from the edge player from Miami. Uh, that would be a great fit. And also Micah Parsons. Uh, I That's the guy that I like the most from the way this draft board has gone. I think that's a great fit for them, great value for them. Uh, someone who can do a little bit of everything. Uh, how do you... It, again, it's hard for the guys who haven't been there. Is this a? Is he more of a four-three on the outside? Is he a middle linebacker? Uh, does he fit in a three-four on on the outside that way too? Where do you see Micah Parsons' best fit on an NFL defense? At some point, he's going to move inside. He he's got all the makings of your Levante David type linebacker, who he can cover sideline to sideline. He can rush the passer, actually, if they wants to blitz. He's he's very talented. Now, again, we haven't seen him for a year, and there's some off-the-field stuff there, and that's why he falls as far because talent-wise, he's probably a top-five player in this draft. Linebackers are depreciated in value in today's NFL just because – now, he's got the skill set that you want. Unless you're three down. Yeah, that, yeah that's and what And he's you got that skill set you want where he can cover players, and he doesn't. Co- he's not going to come off the field on third down. He can cover tight ends. He can cover running backs right away. So I think originally they're probably gonna he's probably gonna start in like a outside linebacker, probably the will side, the weak side away from the 
the tight end. But eventually I think he slides inside and he's going to be a three down linebacker and he should be a very good one at it. If you saw his uh, or saw the reports from his pro day, uh, again, and a truly athletic freak, uh, the uh, for his size, the speed that he was running, uh, it was uh, it definitely turned eyes again to him. Again, this is another guy who started out really high, but because he wasn't there for the year, taken uh, taken down. Now somebody again off the field issues uh, are causing some questions for things, but it's been hard for people to rate like what is his ceiling or where should he go in this. We're starting to see it rise back up as we get closer to, to time. His pro day was an immense help uh, in that regard, and so I I see that for the Raiders here. I think they're looking at a uh, foundational piece, and Micah Parsons is their pick at 17. And I get your team again, dude. I get to make you disappointed in my picks again. <sighs> There's only one guy I want I, at 18. There's I think only I'm one guy I want too. at 18. I think, we, I think I'm going to take him for you. I, we, we've heard Huge hole. Najee Harris's name mentioned for a long time here. Now, there's, there's really three running backs who I think have an outside shot to go in the first round. I think Najee is locked in somewhere in the first round. Uh, I'm going to take him here. Pittsburgh fans get sad because you didn't get your guy. But I think the Dolphins want him. It's a great fit. He's fit over value. Again, I know that the teams uh, overlook uh, and, and devalue running backs. Uh, and I, I get it overall because you're saying you're only betting on this guy for five years. You don't think he's uh, the tread on the tires for any running back. You're not planning on them beyond five years. I get it, but let's have a good five. Like right, this is a guy that, uh, as far as the offense that Brian Flores wants to run, uh, here's your between the tackles guy. Here's you have the, I think the Dolphins are assembling the largest poundage offensive line, the big uglies uh, up front. Uh, again, DJ Fluker, 340 pounds. Uh, uh, Robert Hunt, 325 pounds. Solomon Kindley, almost 350. Uh, you have uh, Matt Skura at uh, right now is the guy, the guy would be at uh, center. Right. Oh, center. Right. Uh, right. And I think he's around 310. Uh, you have uh, 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 who am I thinking of for the their left guard that came over uh, from the Giants last year, and I'm forgetting. He's from. Uh, from my former Miami guy, but I'm forgetting his name. It'll come back to me later. And then Austin Jackson, like 325. So these are big guys. Uh, what they want is to be able to ground and pound in the Florida sun and have that home field advantage that's there. Najee Harris makes a ton of sense. If there truly was a an edge player that uh, stood out, that was uh, had a little bit, without the question marks, there's a lot of interesting edge players, but all of them have a major question mark. Dolphins have a huge hole uh, at running back. They didn't address it last year. Here's the chance to get the best guy in the draft and would have a definite impact on the upcoming team. So I, as much as I could see them going elsewhere, I agree with the Najee Harris fit. The only question on Najee Harris, I guess, is is pass protection. And you don't want Tua to get hit, but running, receiving, he's great at both of them. I, he's fumbled once in, I think, 620 touches in the college football. So Najee Harris is going to be a great player for the Dolphins. I'm... Again, curious to see. Again, there could be Zayvon Collins now becomes a potential name. They mentioned the the Notre Dame linebackers, another one. But I think he's less of a, a need from where they are. Jalen Phillips, if they want to go local, is definitely an idea for an edge player. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. But we come to the Washington football team at 19. Good catch. And this is, what's that? Good catch. I thought you, you sounded like you were about to say the R word there. I don't know. You're, you're good on the football team? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, okay. I, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Uh, WFT, we're ready to roll. Uh, this board did not fall the way they wanted. If you look at where we've been to this point as far as, you know, maybe they trade up for a, 
uh, for a quarterback if they want to go that way. But they always, I think they always had a know that if you want one of those guys, you're going to have to trade up beyond the Patriots both, at least. Yep, both 19 and 20. That's said. The football team and the Bears are next. And the both those teams would have loved to get a quarterback. They're teams that the Bears make the playoffs. The football team made the playoffs. Yeah, the Bears made the playoffs too last year. So two playoff teams, but desperate in need of a quarterback. Where you're sitting now, it's too. Uh, there's, I think Vegas has the over under at five and a half. So they have a, put a pretty decent chance that Davis Mills might get picked at the end of the first round or Kellen Mond, but you're not taking him here. It's there. You're passing up way too much talent to take one of those guys. So who do you like for, for Washington at this point from where their needs are in the off season? Uh, there's a couple of different directions they could go. Ron Rivera is a, a pounded guy, right? He's a pounded guy too. So I think they're going to keep it to either if it's offensive line, I think they're going to go with Tevin Jenkins. That seems to be the better fit for what they want as far as offensive linemen available. But I think they're probably going to take defense here. That's get um, Ryan Kearing is getting up there in age, right? So Jalen Phillips makes a lot of sense as far as a pass rusher. Now they have, this is a team that has invested heavily in the defensive line in their first round picks, like in the last half decade. Uh, it helps them win, right? They're it, good at it, fortify your strength, right? So yeah, you could push it to linebacker and say Zayvon Collins, or you could even say Christian Barmore, right? So, I think you don't want to take what's the you don't want to prevent what you have from being you don't want to prevent your strength from getting even stronger. Absolutely, and you know with Jalen Phillips, here's a guy where again when you already have a strong defensive line, it allows him to come in and not have to be the guy. Uh, and I think when we're looking at Washington again, uh, Taven Jenkins is another intriguing fit overall for what they're trying to do. Uh, but I think again you already see how much they want to keep investing in that defensive line. I see him going back to the the well again. Jalen Phillips out of Miami, pick at 19. Good choice. I think that makes a lot of sense for them. The Bears at pick 20, I said they would love a quarterback. There are none available. They would be interested in a wide receiver here. Allen Robinson's got that one-year contract. Rashad Bateman's still out there. Now, they also tend to favor linebackers and edge players. Hmm, this is this is a tough one. I would love to take Rashad Bateman because I said I think he makes a lot of sense for them, but I don't think it's their biggest need at this point. I'm gonna go with hmm. It's tough. I'm gonna take Aziz Ojalari. I think that's the biggest that's a pass rusher. That's the type of player that the Bears tend to favor where he's kind of hmm, tools up and he gets a lot of production from it. He can play off the edge. He can play out of both stances. They like Georgia guys. That's where Leonard Floyd went to. They tend to favor some of those pass True. rushers anyways. So I'm going to go with Aziz Ojalari to the Bears at pick 20 to rush the passer. So what we're seeing now is probably about the right point when you will see the run on edge players. Uh, as we've now had back-to-back picks with uh, Jalen Phillips and now uh, Azwari with, uh, from Georgia. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts, again, I think we're still looking at uh, some sort of line. Uh, within it, here again, you could go uh, Taven Jenkins would be another fit here. Uh, you could also see them going a defensive ending. Like, uh, would Quiddy PA uh, be a, a, a scheme fit for them? You, you know these guys a little bit more as me as far as scheme fit. Yeah, Quiddy Pay is, he's got like all the physical tools in the world. I, they gave him at, have him measured at six foot four, two 277 pounds. So he's huge and he can get off the ball really quickly. If you're going to draft Quiddy Pay to Indianapolis, you're thinking that you're you're hoping you get the next. It's here. It was Dwight Fre- Robert Mathis on the other side. You're hoping you get the next Robert Mathis because he's not. He's a lot bigger than Dwight Freeney was. But yeah, that would that would fit in for what they want. I think if they're going to take defense, I 
they would have loved one of the cornerbacks to be there. They would have loved one of those corners to be there. Otherwise, I think they might take Christian Barmore. Sounds like Christian Barmore is going to be the one defensive interior defensive player that gets picked. Um, he, if you're going to take an interior lineman, you want somebody who can rush the passer. And Christian Barmore's the only interior defensive lineman I think is consistently good enough to rush the passer to get picked this high. I think he would make a lot of sense for him here too. What about someone like uh, if they're looking at, you know, Taven Jenkins is, is higher rated overall, but Alex Leatherwood, is this uh, a spot where you could see uh, him and then it just becomes scouts a matter of how they rate one guy over the other? Alex Leatherwood is more, that's not necessarily true, but both of them are very versatile in that. So Tevin Jenkins has short arms, which is why some people think he'll play guard. Alex Leatherwood has played guard. He's played center. He's played on the left side, the right side. It's just a matter of we know that the Colts want to so they're going to have Carson Wentz, right? So they're going to have a whole new offense there. They want him to feel comfortable. He has not been comfortable in Philadelphia in a couple seasons. And when he was last comfortable, it was with an Eagles team that could run the ball and could make him have short passes. So among those two, I think Tevin Jenkins is probably a better fit. But, yeah, Alex Leatherwood would, would certainly help. See, I think they I think they wanted, if they're going edge, I think they wanted Jalen Phillips. I think he's an overall better fit for what they what they want to run, what they want to do, more of a complete uh, a player uh, that fits on that defensive line. Uh, if he's not there, I wonder if it makes them hesitate for going uh, edge right away with what remains on the board. And they already have an excellent uh, uh, Darius Leonard as their uh, linebacker. Is this a spot where you could see Zayvon Collins being considered, or you just don't see that being something that they need? So far, if I had just thought, I don't think Zayvon Collins fits as well for them as, as he, he he should. Actually, I think they might take, if they were going to take somebody else, Rashad Bateman, right? They lost T.Y. Hilton. Yeah. They lost T.Y. Hilton, so they have a gap at wide receiver, too. That that could be a need. If they're going to take a linebacker, Abusa Kormoa plays in their backyard, right? Super versatile. I said super versatile. They haven't really had a player like him in a while. Not many teams do have a player like that. So I think he fits. Saving Collins, he, his is an interesting case in that, he doesn't fit a lot of schemes as well as yeah. he should. He's, yeah. I'm not sure that he can cover as well as he needs to in the NFL. Whereas I said, Micah Parsons, I feel good about that. Abusa Koromoa is going to do that right away. Zayvon Collins, sideline to sideline, but I've seen Blake Martinez sort of do. I'm not sure that Zayvon Collins isn't going to turn into Blake Martinez, where he can be a great tackler between the tackles, but can he get outside? And also not enough speed to go after the quarterback to be like a, a good 3-4 outside linebacker. So, it, yeah, he's going to be an interesting Again, he's got all the athleticism. He tests well within it. The tape is good, but does he fit in the in a NFL scheme, especially at this high of level? So everyone wants him on their team. He's going to be a good player, but where do you rate him value-wise within it? So that becomes a question there. I do believe with Carson Wentz, they're going to go offensive line. I think way of trying to build that and fortify that uh, that much more, I'm going Taven Jenkins here. Yeah, he's got a mean streak. He... He's going to be very good, I think, at least for the way the Colts want to play with Frank Reich. That makes it probably the easiest pick in the whole thing for me as far as I'm concerned. That puts Tennessee on the clock at 22. Once again, another team could take cornerback here. They lost to Dory Jackson in free agency. Greg Newsom or someone like that could fit, but they also lost Corey Davis, and Rashad Bateman is just a perfect fit for what they want. You give them A.J. Brown and Rashad Bateman, Keep it going the same way that you've had it going. You're going to still build around that power run scheme with Derrick Henry, but Rashad Bateman is an excellent route runner. He's going to be able to get open short just like they had with Corey Davis and A.J. Brown, and so I think that Rashad Bateman is a perfect feeling, a lot like Justin Jefferson was last year for the Vikings when they lost to Diggs. Rashad Bateman just replaces Corey Davis. 
and Ryan Tannehill rejoices. Uh, so that's another one. Run after the catch works well with the uh, with their power running game. Him with a, that's an excellent uh, fit across the board, and you can see that one uh, being uh, end up with production better than position uh, drafted uh, when we get at the end of next year. We come back to the New York Jets, who have a need at especially defensive end, wide receiver. They made some upgrades there. Again, you saw it, uh, speaking of Corey Davis, uh, this is where he went to, uh, Carl Lawson. Uh, you have him here uh, from that nice upgrade there, but they could use still guys on the other side of them. So if you were looking at defensive end with what's left on our board, where do you rate uh, what New York would be intrigued by? This is where Quiddy Pay fits. This is where Quiddy Pay fits as well as anybody. He's huge. Uh, what was the and wasn't what was the Alabama guy they had Dante Hightower played there for a while if I'm not mistaken and so they love those physically tooled up athletes who can get after the quarterback that is what Quiddy Pay can do I think that's the fit among the you could say Jeremiah Wusakwamoa I just think Quiddy Pay is probably a better fit for what they want a little bigger and I that's what was in my head too as far as paving a, a great. Uh, Toolsy again. Usually coming out of Michigan, that's what you get is toolsy. You don't always have the on-field production. It's an interesting uh, uh, trend uh, in in Michigan. Uh, thanks, Jim Harbaugh. I've uh, learned but, uh, to. <laughs> I've learned that they don't that they're good. I doubted Rashawn Gary with the Packers. That's what I was going to say. Dated, I doubted Rashawn Gary, and he's been very good. And so I think there's actually a lot of similarities there too with with him and Quiddy Pay, both really big, impressive athletes who didn't have necessarily a lot of production. We'll keep the. Uh, Michigan defensive end here with the New York Jets at 23. Pittsburgh Steelers at 24 with Najee Harris off the board. Do you see Javante Williams sneaking into the the first round because of the, the power fit? Again, the running backs, as much as I know there's some scouts that were saying or things going that they're not even sure that any running back is going to be taken in the first round this year. As, a, as an overall, as a concept, I get it. But as far as scheme fit goes, there's only three running backs that you really want at the top here, and it's going to be still scheme fit. Najee Harris and Javante Williams are going to give you the power running. Uh, Javante Williams actually broke more tackles. I think it was a leading uh, uh, leading stat for him by a lot. He led that he led the nation in a lot by that. So and then Travis Etienne would be the third one, but not as much of a fit here at Pittsburgh. No, if they're going to take a running back here, I think they'd love. I said I'd love they'd love Najee Harris. He's gone. Javante Williams fits better than Travis Etienne. But I just don't see it happening. I don't see him doing that. You could probably trade down. Somebody early in the second round could be interested in this pick, right? And the way we're doing it in, in this mock draft, Zayvon Collins is still on the board. Christian Barmore still on the board. You could trade up and get those guys because I don't think they're going to be there forever. But And then take Javante Williams early. But I, I don't see him taking Javante Williams here this early. Now, it is, it's my pick, right? Okay, so... With what they need and what's available, I think this is where Greg Newsom goes. They have had some rough cornerback play at Pittsburgh for a few years now. Uh, Artie Burns was a very big bust at cornerback that they selected in the first round a few years ago. So Greg Newsom, uh, Northwestern cornerback, yeah, I'd say exciting. We haven't he, he didn't have necessarily the production. He only had one interception, but gets a lot of hands on the ball, and that's what you want to see. Very good cover corner. He really likes to try to undercut the throw. I would say the big thing for him is durability. We haven't seen him play a full year yet of games, and so if he can show that he's durable, I think it's going to be a good fit. I'm going to take Greg Newsom to the Pittsburgh Steelers here at 24. 
Now, is Newsome uh, the cornerback from Northwestern? Is he, uh, would you say, more of a press? Can he do, do that type of scheme fit? Because obviously with corners, it becomes interesting. More than almost any other position in the NFL, cornerbacks are rated widely differently because it's about scheme fit from what different teams run. If you're doing a cover two, if you're doing a, a from zone to press, uh, everything that's there, each guy has more of a, a skill set. Uh, the true greats that are drafted, like in the top 10, they can put him in any scheme and they're a lockdown guy. Where does he fit on a defense? I think he fits better in a zone than a man, but they like to run zone out in Pittsburgh. So he's going to, I think he'll start at the line of scrimmage. He can drop into coverage and then he can close quickly. I said he likes to undercut a lot of throws. He can close really quickly. He's not as big as the guys we've talked about before in Sertan and Farley and J.C. Horn. He's not that tall, but he's very aggressive. He's not going to just get blown off the ball in there. And I said, he had 21 pass breakups last year. Now, it's only one interception. It's not the worst thing. You can teach hands, perhaps. And even not, if you're knocking down the ball, you're still knocking down the ball. His tackling is as good as any of those guys' tackling. He is super aggressive as far as tackling is concerned. So I think he would, I think he would be a beloved Pittsburgh Steeler. He, he seems like the type of guy that they like. Well, this brings us back to the, the essentially the top of the draft with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, this is again, a team that has some uh, a lot of needs. And anytime you have the first overall pick, you have a lot of needs. But you're also trying to go, which the nice part about that is you can go BPA, right? Because just about, just about anyone is going to fit here. Uh, they're making a defensive uh, scheme change as they're switching to a 3-4 defense. Uh, pass rusher is obviously the the ideal, but we've had the run on edge players here. Uh, so the question becomes, is there someone you see from who's left that's worth them going for the pass rusher over the Notre Dame linebacker who would also be a very good fit here on this defense? Pass rusher that's... um, No, not really. I don't think there's a pass rusher here. I think this is... There's really two options. You just got Trevor Lawrence. You don't want him to get hurt. You could take Alex Leatherwood and immediately lock down his backside for the next, hopefully, 10 years, right? And you don't not get him hurt. Or or you take Jeremiah Wissakoromoa and, say, put him next to Miles Jack and have two just physical freaks out and linebacker. And this was a team that got to the NF or AFC Championship game based off their defense less than five years ago, and it's been gutted. So you could build your defense up, but... I think I would take the offensive tackle. What about someone like Trevion Mooring uh, as your mm-hmm. your your safety, your center field, your guy at the at the back end of this defense? Do you for Mooring's ceiling? Do you feel that this is uh, all pro caliber? That he this can be a guy that's uh, uh, a leader of a defense? I think Trayvon Morg is easily the best safety in this class. So does that make him all pro in the NFL? May, maybe. It, he has to be able to better. He has to be a better tackler. He's not a great tackler. He can do any scheme. He can play slot. He can play single high deep. He can cover tight ends one on one. So, as far as would he fit here? Yeah, yeah. You could certainly take Trayvon Moore going here. I, I could even see him taking another receiver to help out. Right now they have Lavisca Chenault, right? And didn't they let who was their other receiver? I think it was last receiver last year. They traded. They traded away the receiver to the Ravens. Now, who was it? DJ Chark. There we go. There we DJ go. Chark got traded to the Ravens. So, right now they have LaVisca Chenault. I'm not sure what else they have. Could they take Kadarius Tony? Yeah, that would be a great fit for what I think Urban Meyer wants to run. 
let's also uh, here's a perfect place to highlight that for for this example. Now, didn't he didn't he come in really small, or am I thinking of someone else that came That's, in smaller? I think you're thinking of Tutu Atwell. Yeah, Tutu that Atwell was really is small. Tutu Atwell is too small at this point. So he, I believe, is at five six, 140 some pounds. Uh, Tutu Atwell's good. I've seen him be good. That He's is now too a fourth small. round, I think, at, yeah. at best. Now, You're that hoping size. now that Tutu Atwell is a punt returner, uh, an excellent punt returner, which it could be, but at a size like that, I don't see Tutu Atwell being a well, I'll, day I'll two give pick. This, I'll give this example. I know it's kind of a tangent, but just to say it from him, uh, you have someone who, like Jakeem Grant, uh, has, has done that. So as long as you have better hands than Jakeem Grant. Now, Jakeem Grant is still going to make a, a long career in the NFL as a return specialist. He's still been elite at that level. So can you do that at that size? 100%. Uh, Jakeem Grant had the opportunity to establish more as a receiver. His hands are terrible. And he was a he was undrafted, right? He don't think he even got picked in the fifth other, round. Was he in the fifth round? Okay, so yeah. day three, I, but like five foot well, six. Yeah, he's a when he gets hit, he's like a pinball. He's flying around the field within it, but he's been healthy, so it can be done. Uh, but we'll see what happens with Tutu Atwell, an exciting player, uh, but he's definitely going to f- be the draft's biggest faller, I believe, from what things were looking at initially. So as we come back to the the Jacksonville Jaguars, is there a receiver with Bateman off the board besides Tony, uh, or would that be the pick and? and I suppose let me just jump back to say this. This was the tangent I wanted to go on, then I went somewhere else. Jacksonville loves taking their local boys. That has been their case throughout uh, throughout the years. Uh, they have done this. Uh, I think C.J. Henderson was last the, year. Uh, yeah. So you already that have boy. that uh, there. The ownership loves doing that. Uh, now again, they're going to let uh, their new head coach make these decisions. Uh, more so than what has been done in the past, but Tony's also a fit. He's an exciting player, uh, and so more than what I originally thought at this point, I think they keep adding, uh, add the sexy in, in Jacksonville, add the local boy. I'm going Tony here. So there's some talk of Kadarius Tony going, I think, it, I don't remember who said it, maybe one of the many talking heads in the NFL, but said that he could go ahead of Devonta Smith in the top 15. That would be asinine. Uh, Kadarius Tony is not as good as Devonta Smith. There's no way he's as good as Devonta Smith. Could he be great? Yeah, he could. You could get Percy Harvin. That's what you're hoping for, right? It's the easy comparison. They're both Florida guys. You're hoping that he's Percy Harvin. We've seen Urban Meyer have success with Percy Harvin. So it, it, it makes sense. It would give him another weapon that they could use out of the backfield. Then Trevor Lawrence starts off with LaVisca Chenault, who can play in the backfield. He's done that at Colorado. He did it last year. James Robinson, a great running back, and Kadarius Tony. That's a good starting point for him. Now, I said, you don't have a great offensive line there, so that's, it'll be interesting. Uh, I'm I think a they're probably hoping that Ken Leatherwood make it to the top of the second round. I think mm-hmm. that's the gamble yeah, at this point. because they have picked 33, too, right? Yep. yep. So uh, I have picked 26. That leaves me with the Cleveland Browns. Like you mentioned, they just added Jadavion Clowney, and so that's one edge player, and they have Miles Garrett on the other side. So you're hoping that the pass rush is good. Now this offseason, Danny Shelton, the big defensive lineman, left Cleveland. He is no longer there. I think, once again, you just keep making the strength the strength. The Browns are built on their defense. They like to run the ball, and that's not going to change. But if you lose a defensive lineman, you replace him with a defensive lineman. I think that this is where Christian Barmore goes. This is the pick. You fortify that interior defensive line. Now you have Barmore, Miles Garrett, and Jadavion Clowney rushing the passer. That's a very good intimidating start, and you keep winning the way you've been winning with defense and running the ball. And that makes it easy for me at 27 with Baltimore because uh, Trevion Mooring, this is now a great fit for what they like to do defensively. Uh, I think this is a, uh, the, the, 
a nice fit here. But if you didn't go Trevion Mourning, uh, where where do you see them trying to target at this point? They could use receiver, right? They could always use receiver there because we've seen Marquise Brown is probably another one who's a little too small in the NFL. He's got some ability, but definitely not worked out the way they wanted him to. As far as receivers that they would pick, I think would be Elijah Moore. I think Elijah mm, Moore, his route true. running is as insanely good. I called him the human joystick one time last year in a friend group chat of mine because his route running at Ole Miss is excellent. He could get open short and really help Lamar Jackson, who tends to get carried away with them. They always tend to pick, we talked about Baltimore last year. I remember saying this. I could see him taking Zayvon Collins or Jeremiah Wissokromor just because they're such Ravens picks. They sit there at their spot. They pick at the end of the first round every year. Who's ever falling that was expected to get picked 10 year picks earlier, you, t- you take, you put him in there. Jeremiah Wissokromor could be like Ed Reed, Terrell Suggs type of player. Like the way they use those type of guys, not to that ability perhaps, but those type of, that type of a fit in Baltimore. Versatility is, uh, and, and doing a, a lot of uh, many different hats, uh, and you, you might be swaying me. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to think that uh, while Mooring does play a role, uh, uh, Notre Dame's linebacker would play many roles uh, on that defense and a little bit of everything. So I'm actually making my change, and I thought this was my easy pick. You have swayed me as I was in the uh, the, the, the war room with the, uh, the, the Ravens uh, guys. I am going Notre Dame's linebacker here. So Cormoa is he can be a linebacker. He could be a safety. That's the type of player he is. I like it a lot. I think that that's an excellent fit for them. I think it's probably more likely the pick for them, the Trayvon Morgan. I've heard talk, like you you hear rumors that Abusa Koromoa could go as high as nine to bolt to Denver because I said Vic Fangio loves those type of players when it comes to defense. Uh, we'll see. He, he's a wild card just because his skill set is not very common in the NFL or even among those great players. That leaves me at pick 28 with the New Orleans Saints, who lost Drew Brees, probably the biggest loss of the offseason as far as he retired. They replaced him with Jameis Winston slash Taysom, I'm a fullback hill, who's going to play quarterback. So when they talk about the over-under in Vegas being five and a half for quarterbacks, this is the spot where does someone, does do they reach down and take Davis Mills, Kellen Mond, Kyle Trask? I'm going to say no. Could it happen? Sure. I think that just adds more confusion to what already is a confusing spot in the quarterback room. Unless you have a clear number, a clear guy that you know is trumping everyone, but they spend a lot of money to keep their two quarterbacks together at this point. Yeah, a lot of money to keep those two quarterbacks together at this point. So I don't think that's going to be the pick here. Here's what I'd say. You have these two quarterbacks, and you have Michael Thomas, who's excellent, and then it's not a lot else. So wide receiver could be the option. It could be defense. It could be edge. Edge players, they have success usually drafting edges early. At this point, that would probably be Jason Oway. But I think they're going to take receiver. And whereas I said Elijah Moore would be a good fit for the Ravens, I don't think it's a great fit for the Saints. That He's not that. He's the same type of skill set as Michael Thomas. Short routes and get open. I think they're going to keep it in the state. I think they're going to drop down. Terrace Marshall Jr. is the other LSU wide receiver. So we talk about Jamar Chase and... He's great in Justin Jefferson, but they have a third great wide receiver. Terrace Marshall is like physical freak. He's 6'4", 200 pounds, and he also moves extremely well. While when Chase opted out and Jefferson wasn't there last year, he averaged over 100 yards a game. In seven games, he caught 10 touchdowns, and that's no Joe Burrow, right? Joe Burrow's gone. So it was Miles Brennan last year at quarterback. 
he had some, uh, his thing is some drop issues. He has some drop issues creep up. You can coach that up. You're hoping, you know, Sean Payton's an offensive genius as far as what he's considered. So you're hoping to draft him, coach it up. And I think that much like Justin Jefferson, where he dropped towards the end of the first round and turned out to be, you know, argue, now you'd say he's probably the best receiver from last year. I think Terrace Marshall, if he got in the right situation, could be great. Yeah, this is a uh, a nice fit with this this offense. Again, more you know, the tall, physical red zone op- op- opportunities that are there makes a makes a ton of sense, uh, and that leads into the one that a lot of people around here can be interested in. Don't pick a quarterback. <laughs> I think they got their fill now, uh, but the Green Bay Packers uh, are always entertaining on draft day. Uh, they they do a uh, bounce to a different beat. Now, again, when you give enough time looking backwards, uh, it's worked out. I remember, again, we talked for Sean Gary when we watched that draft and we're like, really? That was the one guy that I think everyone didn't want. Again, it takes defensive line a little time to develop, but he has developed into a, a good player for the Packers. So now we're back at a spot where Elijah Moore wasn't a fit for uh, for New Orleans. Is he a fit for Green Bay? Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's the best Moore that would be a fit for them. I think Rondale Moore is a better fit for what they need. Just got, I like Elijah Moore. I think he's very good. Uh, the way the Packers, I think Rondale Moore is basically Randall Cobb in that he's this really juiced up, super athletic, like unbelievably muscular guy for his size who they could get the ball to in space and let him go, much like Randall Cobb was. I don't think that's where they're going to go. They certainly could, and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be disappointed if they drafted around Neil Moore, but it's not cornerback, and it's not offensive line, and I think those are just bigger needs. So let's look at the, the board at this point. Uh, who are the guys that are left, and when we're at now 29 overall, who are the guys still sitting here that, as a Packer fan, you would be screaming, go this direction? So at offensive line, it's it's Alex Leatherwood. I, I like Leatherwood, but he's not even the pick I would want. I actually would prefer Liam Eichenberg, the offensive tackle out of Notre Dame. Those are the type of players that they tend to focus on, these guys that are, what's the word, not, like super technical Technical, very good at their craft. Mm. Liam Eikenberg, Notre Dame coaches him up really well. He can come in day one, fill in at right tackle. If Bakhtiari's healthy, then at left tackle, he's going to play. And then you slide Billy Turner into right guard, and you just go from there. If he's not healthy, Billy Turner plays left tackle. Liam Eikenberg, I I think, can step in day one and start. Now, that's not to say Alex Leatherwood can't, but there's more question marks there than I I see with Liam Eikenberg. At cornerback, that's the other spot I'd love to see him go. You mean you don't you don't want Kevin King on the outside? <laughs> Sorry, back of fans. Thank you. Uh, there's there's a few here. They like big guys. They always tend to like big cornerbacks. Although yep. Jair Alexander is small, and that that worked out well. I've said I would love Asante Samuel Jr. It's probably a reach at this point. He is small. It's Jair Alexander size. It's probably a reach. Uh, Eric Stokes out of Georgia. He fits more of the physical tools that they love to have. Big guy can move really well. They love their big cornerbacks. And the other one would be Ifiatu Melifanu, who's a Syracuse corner. But again, I think those are more second-round options. I really think that they're going to take offensive line early. And I said, in this case, it's probably – I'd prefer Liam Eikenberg, but if you told me it was Alex Otherwood, I would certainly not be disappointed. I'm definitely seeing a lot of Eric Stokes' uh, name being mentioned to the the Packers uh, at this point, the way uh, people's the draft boards have, have gone. So that's definitely a possibility here. Uh, I wish he could catch the ball a little. So Eric Stokes is really good. 
uh, they had two excellent corners that are probably both going to get picked in the first two days and Eric Stokes and Tyson Campbell at Georgia and they're very different. So Stokes is like the really toolsy guy who didn't necessarily catch the ball. Tyson Campbell's more like this gritty guy and not quite as big, but I, I would like Eric Stokes. I think he's better than Kevin King. Again, what you're hoping for is to get uh, for those cornerstone positions. Where can you find uh, someone who can who can step in and do that? For, for example, and, and the Packers have done this many times before. Elgin Jenkins was the one of the better centers uh, that was available in the draft at that point. Packers already had a very good center. They still drafted him. They moved him over to a left guard. That's worked out very well. Yeah. Uh, so and, and but still had the center you know, positional flexibility if they if they needed it. So could you have the same thing happen with someone like uh, Liam uh, Eichenberg? Absolutely. Uh, And it it makes a lot of sense because, again, if you don't have that blind side protected or have, you need multiple options. And what have the Packers done? Uh, uh, You look back a number of drafts now where things are doing. Uh, Running back, even though it wasn't a uh, need at the time, but he was a free agent the following year. So they like to draft potential replacements or to be more covered. Uh, Bakhtiari is getting up in age. There's the injury issues that are there. It makes a ton of sense whether he starts there or they move him to like right tackle uh, if the health is there. There's a lot of stuff that's going uh, going on where I think the tackle from Notre Dame uh, makes too much sense and fits the philosophy for what they have done uh, at this uh, at this point. Uh, so I'm going to go there. 29. I should mention that some of these other guys who have not gotten picked yet, I see a lot of Packers mock drafts that people love Zayvon Collins to the Packers if he's still there. It fits, I said. He's a lot like Blake Martinez, and that's – Blake Martinez is a good player. He's not a bad player. I just don't know if Zayvon Collins can cover well enough. Uh, Trayvon Morgan, in this case, is on the board. They had horrendous third safety play at times out of Will Redmond last year. I think Trayvon Morgan would fit him very well and do that too. So for a team that's very good – uh, there's certainly holes to fill. Like the Packers are going to be, I don't, they're going to be the favorites in the NFC North and they should be one of the favorites in the NFC, but there are holes that this team can fill on the first couple of picks and get starters right away. I think I, I do believe they would go cornerback here. If there's one they felt strongly about. And so if that is Eric Stokes, if they like his stuff there makes a, uh, makes a whole ton of sense. Uh, but if, if they don't, he's the only one that's left at this point. That's at, worth anywhere near this, uh, this value. Uh, and again, they, they do things differently, so you never know who they might pick within it. Uh, but I just don't see a cornerback that makes sense at this particular spot. So that brings us to pick 30. The Buffalo Bills and the Packers actually flip picks every round. The Packers want a coin toss, so they get to pick first in the first round, but the Bills will pick first in the second round and so on and so forth. So pick 30, the Buffalo Bills, they tend to have very good drafts. They also tend to pick players that help them in the trenches early on. And that's what works for them. Now they're another team that could be interested in a running back. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I mentioned before, I don't think that's where you're going to see Javante Williams go, but it's possible. I'm going to have them take Jason away. So that's another edge player. The Penn state guy, he did not have a record a sack in his college career. Now I don't think that has anything to do six foot five, 257 pounds. I have Absolutely no doubt that he is among the most athletic defensive ends in this class. Last year, they picked A.J. Epinesa in the second round. Those long-armed guys who can hold up blockers, let their linebackers flow, but can also rush the passer. Oway could play in space. He could be a 3-4 outside linebacker. They tend to like flip their sets a lot. They do 4-3 and 3-4. 
Oway fits well for them. They've seen him play in the cold. Penn State is cold. It's not far from Buffalo. It just seems like a very good Buffalo pick to me. I think there's three guys that make a ton of sense here. Javante Williams, as far as their, this is another team that was uh, rumored to be very interested in Najee Harris. Uh, it's Pittsburgh, Buffalo, and Miami who have spent the most time with him. Uh, Javante Williams is the last guy left that has that physical style of running. Uh, and it would not surprise me at all if Javante Williams ends up being a better pro than Najee Harris. Uh, now, again, I, I very much love Najee Harris, happy to have him in my, Miami at 18, but Javante Williams is... Uh, now, he doesn't have the pass-catching uh, ability that Najee Harris does. That is a major difference. Uh, could that be a little bit better than maybe advertised because he had another uh, pairing that they went with him, uh, Michael Carter, uh, for that? Maybe there's more that's there uh, than what he has been able to show at this point. Uh, so it'll be intriguing to see. The other one, uh, this is where Zayvon Collins, this is their type of player. Like you said, A.J. Epinesa is another one. These bigger guys, these guys that are physical, that are tough, uh, and they find a way to make them work uh Saving College, or Saving College could play a hybrid as far as a 4-3 outside and then a 3-4 edge uh, for how they, they go about it. Uh, it's an intriguing idea, but I think any one of those three makes a ton of sense for Buffalo here. That gets you to the defending Super Bowl champion loser, the Chiefs. Right, They won one, lost one. I think that their biggest gap is clearly the offensive line. They... Gave Patrick Mahomes a massive contract, which, as far as massive contracts go, he's the most deserving. Both of their tackles. He's the most deserving, but they had to cut some players to keep him. And like you said, both tackles gone. There is only one tackle left uh, that has more of a potential first round grade, uh, and so Alex Leatherwood, uh, whichever place you decide to put him, uh, he's going to serve a, a major, a fill a major hole. And so this short sweet to the point, uh, that one makes a lot of sense for Kansas City. So that's where we go at 31, Alex Leatherwood. And that brings us to the final, to the defending Super Bowl champs, Tampa Bay Bucks. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have some, they have some needs of their own. They're, they have a very aging roster, actually. What they have on the roster is good, but they have a very aging roster. It, Antonio Correct. Brown is gone, right? Correct. Okay. So that's where I'm going to take Elijah Moore. I think that basically replaces Antonio Brown. You still have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, but Elijah Moore, small, shifty. Now, could it be Rondale Moore? Sure. That that would fit in a lot, too. Uh, you can always add interior offensive line help to help out Tom Brady. He's getting even older and probably slower, but he just seems like a robot and keeps going. I'm going to get him another weapon here and go with Elijah Moore here. Could you see this being the spot where, uh, for a team that doesn't have a, a lot of holes at this point, could you see them doing Mills, the quarterback out of Stanford, to go underneath Tom Brady and maybe do what the maybe what the the Packers did with uh, with Rodgers of the young guy underneath to keep him motivated to go another four or five years that he wants to do? I think they take Trask if they did take a quarterback. As much as I like, I think Davis Mills is probably better, but I think they would take Trask if they took a quarterback. And you know, it's it's always possible. You get that if you take him in the first round, you get an extra year of team control. That's part of the advantage why teams trade back into the first round to get a quarterback. I don't think that. Whereas I feel like Aaron Rodgers was motivated, I don't think Tom Brady would like that very much. I don't think it would help him get any better. I just think it would piss him off. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think I, it's going to happen. I I think they're more of uh, the only thing that I could see, not as much as. Uh, 
is there, but you need a good backup quarterback. If if Brady goes down, that team is completely different. Now you can say that no matter who you put at your backup, one hundred percent. But uh, if you need a guy for a, a couple of games, uh, you know there's there's some of that stuff that becomes kind of intriguing. But uh, they are very much in built to win now, and you want to add anything that can help you in that mold. So I agree with you overall, wide receiver. I'll talk about the three teams that don't have a first round pick. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so we got the Houston Texans, the Seattle Seahawks, and the Los Angeles Rams. You tell me where you want to start. Well, let's go with the, the Houston Texans, who are a, a mess in, in every way. Uh, and uh, the only thing that happened is you kept your franchise quarterback, but uh, there's a whole host of other reasons why you're not sure how that's going to go. Uh, so Houston picks at yeah. pick 67. That's their first pick. Pick Oof. 67 because of all those trades. Now, they did bring in some help. Philip Lindsay's there. Mark Ingram's there. They added some receivers, Chris Moore, Chris Conley. They, they brought in a, a slew of guys, corners, everything. But it's a roster that's definitely in flux. New head coach, David Culley, kind of a no-name out of left field that they decided to hire. So we don't really know what we're getting there. They did bring in Lovey Smith as far as defensive coordinator. We know what that is. But pick 67 means you're not picking till early in day three. Um. I think this is a team. Deshaun Watson's had a lot of success with tight ends. They've had a lot of success with tight ends. Now, we've only mentioned one tight end getting picked in Kyle Pitts. The Bill, the Chiefs at the end of the first round, if they didn't have the needs, that offensive line could take Pat Frymuth. Pat Frymuth was who's the who would next one up on the board. Travis Kelsey. I don't think he's going to be there at pick 67, but Hunter Long, Boston College is a tight end option for him. I think he would fit in pretty well. Brevin Jordan's more of a receiving option at tight end. I think that could help out as far as Deshaun Watson keep chugging along at quarterback, or there's always offensive line needs in Houston, so that could be an interior offensive lineman type of a pick. What do you think? Again, this is also where I see a nice, uh, whatever the best ranked guard is at that point. Again, I, I've already mentioned Aaron Banks before as a, a mover. Uh, uh, right guard would be more of the better fit there, but uh, essentially when, wherever the board gets, their talent bereft in almost every position uh, so going BPA is going to be the best way to go. But yeah, Hunter Long from tight end makes sense. Uh, going interior offensive lineman uh, makes sense as well. Let's talk the next team that had the strangest offseason. Seattle was going to trade their superstar franchise quarterback, apparently, and that didn't happen. They also have almost no picks because they make some strange decisions. So they pick at pick 56, pick 129, and pick 250. They have three selections. That's it. Now they're pretty I, bad at making picks. I'm, which is why it's better off to trade them for something else, since you don't do anything with them, anyways. Uh, now again, the best best move that they made in the offseason, they kept their uh, uh, receiver Tyler Lockett, a new contract extension. That's huge overall uh, within it. But uh, again, maybe this is a team that always uh, perpetually has issues at uh, running back. Uh, and so, do you have uh, uh, finding someone who's who's left within that? You're you're talking. Uh, uh, you know, Chubba Hubbard from uh, Oklahoma State. Uh, you have uh, uh, Michael Carter would be another one. That'd be a nice fit within it. I, I don't. I don't know. Running backs would make sense. They also have a horrendous pass rush. They don't get any pass rush at all. Yeah, I think that could be like a boogie Basham out of Wake yep. Forest. Yeah, that'd a be lot. a good one. They they tend to draft those type of players. Um, Joseph Asai is kind of this undersized. Guy. They love undersized linebackers who like rush the passer. So. I could see that being the type of way they go. They have 
a lot of needs considering that they tend to make the playoffs, but it's usually just because they have Russell Wilson at quarterback, whereas the rest of their team is not very good anymore. I, I do believe this is Russell Wilson's last year there. I think this is heading towards a divorce. Uh, it, it's been it almost happened this offseason. Uh, to be honest, I think the reason why you go back to the top of the draft when the Dolphins made the trade uh, at three with the 49ers, uh, and that was getting pick uh, first-round picks like in future years mm-hmm. and more like a couple years away, which is just not the way that's normally done. I think what was happening is, A, they felt comfortable at whoever the, the three guys were left at six, uh, from the non-quarterbacks, they felt good still getting their player. I also believe they this is their way of going all in with Tua, but still having draft arsenal. Mm-hmm. If they decide after this year they want to go in a different direction, having multiple first-round picks in future years helps you to go after a franchise quarterback. I do think a lot of Miami and Russell Wilson talk will happen or not happen, depending upon Tua. Uh, but I think that's part of the reason why they made some of those uh, draft moves that they did was to keep themselves in the game in future years. But one way or another, I think this is Russell Wilson's last year in Seattle. The Dolphins are doing it just like the Patriots, right? That's the Ryan Flores way. You just keep adding picks later on because you never know when you're actually going to want to use them to get something new. It's almost like he learned from Bill Belichick. So that brings us to the last team. The Los Angeles Rams have picked 57, 88, 103. They have six picks overall. So, 57, uh, that's one pick after Seattle, but then they still have many more picks than Seattle has. They added Matt Stafford this offseason and Deshaun Jackson. They lost Jared Goff. They lost Josh Reynolds, Gerald Everett, as long as offensive players go. They lost Troy Hill. They lost some linemen and Michael Brockers, those type of players. So they definitely have needs too. I think that getting Matt Stafford in there, they still need offensive line help. I think they could use an offensive tackle. I'm thinking 57, you're probably looking at, well, let me bring up my list of offensive linemen here. Jackson Carmen, Clemson could be interesting for him. Sam Cosme, Jalen Mayfield, those type of offensive line prospects. We haven't talked about our boy Quinn Miners from Whitewater yet. He could be somebody who's there at 57 yeah, if, if you want to try to. Interior center. They want to run the ball, right? As much as Matt Stafford, bringing in Matt Stafford's there, they, they, I still think there's a team that wants to run the ball with Cam Akers. We've always seen him want to do that. And then off of that play action to Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. So somebody, somebody big like that, power running type of player, I think. Second round is where you're going to see the run on centers. Uh, that's where we, you know, we didn't mention Landon Dickinson, who could, could go uh, at the end of the first round. Uh, I know some have actually mocked him to the, the, the Bucks as a way of finishing off the first round. That's definitely a possibility there. Creed Humphrey is another name. Quint Myers is, uh, is there. So you have three uh, solid centers uh, that can help uh, upgrade an interior offensive lineman. Uh, and I, I don't think anyone's draft stock rose more from an offensive lineman standpoint than uh, our, uh, our, uh, our miners from uh, Wisconsin here, Whitewater, uh, who had a, a heck of a senior bowl, uh, and uh, the stories that are coming out about how he trains is uh, is pretty neat. There's some great, there's some great day two offensive line players that I didn't even talk about, like Spencer Brown's testing numbers out of Northern Iowa are off the charts. Six eight and a half ran the forty and four seven one. That's insane athleticism. So he's going to go day two, I'm sure, because someone's going to take a chance on being able to coach that up. And Brady Christensen from BYU, another guy who. Wrote, Measured in off the charts, 6'7", 300 pounds, also ran well. Now, I'm not sure I believe all the testing data this year because of the non-standardized way of doing it. We've seen some unbelievable numbers, and you know maybe they're really doing it. I don't want to sit here and accuse anybody of lying, but it seems like there are a lot of extremely high athlete scores this offseason. 
So how would you rate? We just went through the picks 1 through 32. We finished the first round. Uh, any surprises uh, in there overall? Anyone that you were uh, uh, most pick you were excited for matching with the, with the team? Hmm. I think Rashad Bateman to tight Tennessee makes a ton of sense. I think that's just a perfect fit. I think Dolphins getting Najee Harris at the end is a great fit. Uh, let's see who else we got on here. I'm looking through my list that we got. Terrence Marshall to the Saints is a good one. Jeremiah Wusakormo to the Ravens would be unbelievable. Just how they do that it. That would be so – I don't – Textbook for He's them. one that I'm not sure is going to be there. I said somebody could fall in love with that oh, and yeah. take him really early. But if he's there – where they tend to, was who was the linebacker last year that they drafted? Not Kenneth Murray. They got the other one, Patrick Queen out of out of LSU. So that type of a player who falls, who is going to be a little higher, that would be a great fit. The Vikings and Elijah Vera Tucker seems that that one seems pretty rock solid too. I said they want to run the ball at offensive or with a pound running pounding offense, so you get that guard in the middle. I I feel like we did pretty good here. Well, one week from today, we'll find out uh, how good we feel, how good the other teams feel as we. Uh, take a look again at the, this this year's uh, NFL draft uh, and uh, hope we have you some good draft coverage and you can see how uh, either right or wrong we were. Feel free to fill out your own mock draft as well and see how Thursday goes. And uh, we'll be back with a uh, draft recap show the following week uh, and we'll make our assessments on which team's early uh, Early reactions on draft grades, uh, draft team picks we really liked. We'll, uh, we'll break it down for you as we uh, uh, recap another NFL draft. Hi, hello, and welcome back to the 1983 National Football League draft. And with the first round pick, John Elway, Jim Kelly. Welcome back to the draft. And with the first round pick, Dan Marino, the NFL draft. And with the first round pick, Deion Sanders. I was kind of scared. I thought the Detroit was going to take me. I would ask for so much money that I had to put me on layaway. Welcome back to the NFL draft. Good young players. The draft's all about. Here in and you're out. Welcome back to the draft. And with the first round pick, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Welcome back to the NFL draft. I never say anything like this.